So I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to look at a couple verses. First verse we're going to look at is verse 31. Verse 1, I mean. Chapter 31. Next we're going to look at going to verse 2. But Then Moses went and spoke these words to all of Israel. Verse 2. He said to them, I am 120 years old today. Why is that important? It's his birthday. But it also shows us, so how many, what's a generation in the Bible? How many years? I heard, I heard 20, which is wrong. But I heard 40. I heard 70. And what? And 120. And have I told you that all three of those answers are correct. So we first saw 40 years, right? Then it went to 70, and then we see Moses living 120 years as a generation. That's what, So when we say, this generation shall surely not pass, that means it could be 40 years, it could be 70 years, or it could be 120 years, right? Because in the scripture, we have those three generations. So that's something that we need to understand as we read the word here and how we understand it. But what's very interesting about this chapter is what takes place. It's a time of calling that next generation up. If we look to uh, verse 14, it says, Then Adonai said to Moses, Behold, your time to die is near. Call Joshua and present yourself at the tent of meetings and I will commission him. Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the Ten of Meetings. So what do we see here? It's a passing of leadership. You know, many times when you see that happen, it usually doesn't go well, does it? Why is that? It's a good question, right? No one li How many of you like change? Raise your hand. You like change. You're all lying. No one likes it. How many of y'all liked New Coke? All right. Case in point. We won't go there. That's a sore subject for our Coke people. I did a report on it. That was the biggest mistake Coke made. Although all of their data showed it was, everyone loved it. But what happened? They weren't ready for a change. To, to be ready for a change takes something. Because usually change is what? Supposed to be for the better, right? I don't know when I'm going to retire. Eventually I will retire, right? I got many years ahead of me. But here's one thing I'm going to guarantee you. The person who comes after me is going to take it to the next level. And that's what they're supposed to do. And we can't be afraid of that. We can't be ashamed of that. You know, we, we have to be ready for that. I remember when we started the congregation in Macon. We, I, I knew from the beginning I was not to be the full-time rabbi down there. But I was supposed to start it. And what we ended up doing is we started it. We eventually, the Lord put on our heart to bring someone in new. Here's the neat thing. We interviewed rabbis that didn't even know it. What do I mean? You know what we did? We had them come speak. 
and I wanted to see the reaction of the people in the congregation. We had several great rabbis come. And then we had one rabbi come. I didn't even know a lot about him, but some people had told me about him. He came up. He got on stage. And God said, there's your man. And I, we heard him. I just, and the congregation just fell in love with him. We offered him the position. He said, you have to be kidding me. I live in Florida on the beach. You want me to move to Macon, Georgia? <laughs> he prayed about it. Lord put it on his heart that he was supposed to come. This was during a time that houses in Florida weren't selling well. We made it, we were going to fly him up at least once a month to have him come speak, and that way everyone gets used to him until he could come. We figured it would take several months. He put his sign out on his yard. One hour later, he had it under contract. That's how quick God moved. He took that congregation over. It's still going great. They have their own building. And you know what? Some of the leadership left that one. And they started their congregation. And they have their own building. I was able to help start that one as well. And so what we see God doing is bringing up that next group to prepare and to lead. And we can't be afraid of that. You know, too many times people get in leadership and they're afraid that their associate or someone else is going to be better than them and that they're going to lose their job. So they don't push to have an assistant or they don't try to lead, bring up that next generation. On the contrary, what the scripture here shows us is we're to do just that. Not only bring them up, but stand with them side by side. Encourage them and support them. A good leader has, when he brings up other leaders, they're not competition, they're trophies. He can look at them and go, look what, look what that person's done. He can be proud of them. To know that he helped influence how they work and how they do things. And that's what Joshua was getting ready to do. Talk about some big shoes to fill. Moses was a great leader. He took a lot of aggravation, didn't he? Man, he, it was not easy being the leader of that group of Israelites. All they did is complain and complain. And The food's not good. You know, the only thing they didn't complain about is their clothes wearing out because it didn't wear out, right? They probably complained that they didn't have any other change of clothes. You know, couldn't there be a Walmart out here in the middle of the desert so we can get something at least? Right? But when you see that next leadership coming up, instead of hurting, you should help them, encourage them. You know what? They might have a new vision. They should have a new vision. Because the vision that God gave Moses wasn't the vision to handle the people in Israel. It's one thing to lead a group of people through the desert. It's one thing to lead them in the promised land. And God had a way and a plan. And he brought Joshua up. Joshua was not only a great leader, he was a great soldier and warrior. And people were willing to follow him. 
He stood out amongst everyone else. Because he loved God and he honored God and he knew that God was in control. One of my favorite stories is when the two of them were standing there. The 12 spies came up. Ten of them said what? Oh, they're too big. We can't handle it. Joshua basically said, if God is with us, who can be against us? Right? If God's already ordained it, don't worry about how big the mountain is. You'll get over it. If you're in a situation you don't know, trust in the Lord and God will provide, won't he, brother? Bigger than you ever thought in ways that you could have never imagined. You know, that's what the neat thing about what God does. You know, I was talking to someone about the mission trips that we've gone on over the years, and I could really write a book about them. Because they're not going and building buildings. It's really going against the devil. I mean, it's their wars that go on. I can show you the scars we got. I mean, it's tough. But what's amazing is each time God was in control and God took care of the situation. One of my favorite stories when we went down to, to Cuba and we were ministering down there and, and you weren't allowed to bring re religious materials into the country. And we brought medical supplies and, and to keep the medical supplies from moving and getting broken, we had to use stuff to protect them. So we, we put some books in there. Just you know, we, whatever we could find. And, and I remember going and we were working with this one pastor, and it's very difficult to do the stuff there because, you know, they, they, they had bugs in the air. They were watching us. They were listening. To us. They didn't have drones yet. But they were deaf. Our rooms were all bugged. They knew exactly. And I, I've told you the story about when they, they I mean, they, they know what's going on. They learned from Russia. And I remember once we had a situation where we were going to take a whole team. We were in Havana, and we had to go all the way to Las Tunas. How many of you all know where Las Tunas is? Most of you don't. It's all the way at the other end. It's near Guantanamo Bay, to give you an idea. We had a church that was going to let us use their bus. I guess what happened? Bus broke down. Before we could use it, there was no other bus in the country we could use. So we ended up having to leave half of our team in the city and we took the other half and we went to go rent a van. How many of you have ever rented a van, right? Or car, you go and look at it and inspect it. In Russia, they give you no insurance. I didn't like that. So we went and the guy said, let's go look at the van. I said, no problem, I'm taking my camera, right? And he starts laughing. I'm like, why is he laughing? I'm trying to be, you know, I'm make sure they're not going to rip me off. I'm going to have proof. And we got out, and there wasn't a panel on this van that wasn't damaged. <laughs> the odometer, the speedometer, none of the odometers, nothing worked inside. And we're driving all the way down there. And the pastor who I was working with in Havana said, you really need to get in touch with this one pastor down there. He can really help you, and he'll, you know, he, he's the one you need. So we drive all the way down there, and we get into the city, and we meet with a group that's supposed to be messianic. 
And after our first meeting, we realized we didn't want anything to do with these guys because they were actually anti-Castro uh, group. And it, and it was just not the place for us to be. Matter of fact, after our meeting the next morning, immigration came because they saw, you know, they're watching us. We got called into their office, and the gentleman sat down there and was asking us questions why we were dealing with them, and we're like, look, we didn't know, you know, we, we kind of explained it. And I looked, and I said, hey, how can we help you? I mean, this guy didn't know what to say to that. And he said... We started talking, I told him, you know, we had the medical stuff, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and going on. He goes, and you probably have Bibles, too. And I said, absolutely we do. He goes, and you can hand those out as well. Now, I don't know if that's what he thought he said, but that's what came out of his mouth. <laughs> he goes, we'll let you stay here, for one, but you have to do one thing. I said, what's that? He said, you have to work with a pastor that we tell you to. I'm like, well, we'll see who's the pastor. And I didn't tell you the pastor's name at the beginning, did I? See, the pastor that we were supposed to get in touch with there was named Pastor Angel. And the guy said, you, if you'll, if you'll, you can do work here, but you have to work with this one pastor. I said, what's his name? He said, Pastor Angel. I said, no problem. <laughs> See, God brought us together to be able to do the work. And here's the neat thing. When they brought Pastor Angel in, we met him. He immediately invited us to his house. He said that God had called and told him years ago that he was supposed to have a home church in his house and that it was to be called El Shaddai. Oh, did I forget to mention that he loved Israel and that when we walked into his house, he had a big menorah? He was supposed to have a messianic congregation there. Guess what? The next day was Shabbat, and we were supposed to do it with the other group, which we were not. He said, you will do it in my house. Kind of, my, you know, we were thinking a whole nice big group, you know, how many people can fit in a house. That evening we went there, there was over a hundred people. There were people inside his house you couldn't move. There were people outside. There were people sitting up on top of roofs to hear the word of God. See, our plan and God's plan are usually two different ways. And I'm going to tell you right now, go with God's plan. Amen. He, not only did he start a congregation there that flourished, the medical supplies we bring, Pastor Angel, by the way, was also a nurse. And we were able to give them medical supplies. A few months later, Pastor Angel had to have an emergency surgery. And they didn't have the, at the hospital, they didn't have the stuff that he needed they needed for him, but guess what? He remembered all the stuff that we had brought and the, th the item that they needed to do the surgery was in the supplies. Amen. See, God will provide. We have to let God lead and let him bring that next generation forward. Don't, you know, I encourage people to, to step out and do things. If God puts something on your heart and you come to me and say, Rabbi, God wants me to, God wants us to start a, a ministry to uh, homeless. You know what my response is going to be? Great, when are you starting? But Rabbi, Rabbi, that's not me. You're supposed to, no, 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 no. He put it on your heart, right? 
Why? Because he's giving you the vision. You the understanding. We have some great little ministries going on here. We do work in Israel. We do work with the homeless. It's building that next generation up. It's not being afraid. So I want to encourage you, especially at, at, at your work and whatever goes on, but in your ministry life. How are you working to make that next generation, that leader? You know, we're blessed here in the congregation. We have great kids. A lot of y'all don't realize that. We have some great kids, right? They're, on our, they're, on our mini, they're working in the ministries. They're, they're doing stuff. I want to see them lead and grow and prosper. Because that's what God calls us to do as leaders. We can't be afraid of being out of a job. We can't be afraid of that next person to be better for them. They better be. If not, we've done something wrong. We need to be there to do the work and to watch what God will do. Joshua was the man to lead into Israel. And look what he produced. He gave us that faith that we needed to know that if God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Don't be afraid if they outnumber you. Don't be afraid if they're bigger than you. Remember these words, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, says the Lord. Those are words to live by. Especially if you're in the, if you ever go on the mission field, man, you better be ready for the devil to attack you. If you ever feel called into ministry, and we've told this to people time and time, you, you want... People say, hey, I feel like I'm like, great. Are you ready to be attacked by the devil like never before? They're like, oh, yeah, I can handle it. And I kind of chuckle. And then they come back to me a couple months later. Rabbi, you're not going to believe what's been happening. Yeah, I can. Been there, done that, got those T-shirts. But it gives us an understanding of how we grow from those. Moses was at an end. It was time to pass to the next generation. And look what happened. He took them into the promised land. And we grew and prospered. And that's what God's calling us to do. Prepare the future. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of change. How many times, I, I see it in churches all the time now. They have a bunch of old people in the church. It's, you know, we call them the dying churches, right? They've been there forever, but they're not pulling in younger people. They're dying out. And God forbid if you change something, if you decide you want to go with blue chairs instead of red chairs, you're going to be out the door. Right? But that's not how it's supposed to be. If God gives the leader a vision... Let him take that vision and go. Support him and join him. Because it's not the person's vision, it's God's. Trust me, if it's a person's vision, it will crash and burn. But if it's God's vision, watch how it will blossom. You know, we're, we're, we're blessed to have our own building. Do you know how many, there are, I'm going to be going to a, a rabbi's conference in November. And there have been rabbis that are going to be there for, been in the ministry longer than we have, and they're still renting a building. 
They never got to grow their congregation. Some of them need that next, so that next generation should have taken over a long time ago. Because guess what? They could make it grow. So we as leaders need to know when our time is up as well. To get ready to do what Moses has done. To pass that baton. But to do it in a way that shows that they support it. I love the work that's going on in Macon. I, I, there two, I have two trophies down there. Very proud of them. Helped start a congregation here in Loganville. People say, why do you help them do it? Because you know what? We, if every Jewish person, just to give me an example, if every Jewish person in Atlanta got saved today and they came here, would our building hold it? No way. We need multiple congregations. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? People need different types of leaders. We should be proud of the other congregations and help them and support them. Because that's what true leaders do. It's not a popularity game. It's not who's better or who's bigger. It's are you doing God's calling? Because when you do that, you can take the people into the promised land. And that's what God's called us to do. So I want to encourage you as we are in this time of, of awe, of repentance, of looking back. Continue to see how next year can be even better. How you can help prepare that next generation. Because you know what? With these gray hairs, and some of us have a lot of them now, not going there. But with these gray hair gives us knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge of what to do and what not to do. And you younger people, I would take note of those gray hairs. Because if we can teach you, you'll have less of them. And that's a, that's a good thing, trust me. But I want to encourage you, again, to time, as time approaches... We need to be willing to pass that throne to the next group. To let them do an even bigger and better job. Because that's what God has called us to do. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. Our fathers, we come before you right now. Lord, we thank you for the greatest example you could give us. In your son, Yeshua. The greatest leader. One who leads by preparing others to teach and share. And Lord, that's what you've called us to do. To go forth and make disciples of men throughout the world. Lord, let us take up your calling today. Lord, let us not be afraid. Lord, let us be able to lead the people into the promised land. We ask this in your son Yeshua's name. Everyone said... Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen.